Welcome to the Academics Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Miguel Velasco, and the goal of our podcast is to broaden your knowledge about a vast number of different topics and fields of study. In this podcast, we interview researchers from a number of different institutions across the country to gain insight into the research they conduct on a daily basis. I would like to welcome our guest today, Professor Mark Schenker, a researcher and professor of public health sciences and medicine at UC Davis. Professor Schenker received his MD from UCSF and his MPH from Harvard School of Public Health. Today, Professor Schenker uses his expertise to study occupational health outcomes among immigrant workers. For today's podcast, I'll be joined by my friend, Koi Vo, another student at UC Davis majoring in biological sciences. Enjoy the podcast. So, hi, Dr. Schenker. Uh, how are you today? Good. Thank you, Miguel. Oh, it's actually Koi <laughs> that's speaking. No worries. So I just wanted to, I had a couple of questions for you. Um, so how did you get into your field of study? Oh, it's been a long evolutionary story. Um, out of medical school, I went into a medical subspecialty, internal medicine, and then pulmonary disease. And uh, in that training, I uh, realized that, you know, there was much more power in public health and prevention of pulmonary disease. Most of the people I was seeing were self-induced disease, largely from cigarette smoking. And uh, I was also interested in environmental impacts on pulmonary health. And that got me into uh, a public health, Masters of Public Health, uh, program at Harvard University. And uh, my first major research there was on the impact on the lungs of uh, uh, coal-fired power plants in Western Pennsylvania. Um, and that, I guess, was the start of my career in environmental and occupational health, uh, which I did a lot of research in. Uh, a variety of hazards to the lungs, uh, both occupational and environmental. So including diesel exhaust and asbestos and solvents and pesticides and a variety of things. Um, in 1983, I moved to UC Davis to take a faculty position and start a program in occupational and environmental health. Um, and being at Davis, uh, obviously, agricultural work was a major focus, but it turned out that my first major effort was on semiconductor workers and the health hazards of doing semiconductor work. But I've always had an interest and uh, developed my programs in uh, agricultural worker health and have continued those throughout my career at Davis from 1983 to the present. Uh, directing for a couple decades the Western Center for Agricultural Health and Safety, uh, plus uh, the Center for Occupational and Environmental Health. Um, about 15 years ago, uh, maybe a little more now, I started to realize that agricultural workers were being impacted by their immigration status as much as they were by the hazards of doing farm work. And that got me interested in the whole issue of immigrant health. And uh, since then, I've uh, 
increased my range to include the hazards to immigrant workers because of their immigration status, their vulnerability, their precariousness at work. And uh, I've done a lot of research and spoken a lot on migration and health uh, since that time. And uh, that's kind of a short story. <laughs> I don't know if you have specific questions. Got it. No worries. So how uh, I guess another one would be how has your kind of like field impacted your life? Oh, you know, let me say that working on immigrant health has been the most satisfying part of my professional career uh, because you have a large population of people who are just wanting to work hard and earn a living and support their families and they're mistreated by the system. And they are uh, appreciative of the effort, they're needing the effort, and it gets little attention. So uh, I would definitely say that doing the immigrant worker health has been the most professionally satisfying part of my life. Got it. So has it, has it ever, in a way, interfered with your, uh, with your own personal life, per se? Well, I don't know that it's interfered. It's certainly engaged. Uh, and it, it's a, a, a work of love. It's a passion. And as I say, it's very satisfying to be told, you know, thank you very much. And especially for a gringo, uh, you know, immigrant workers see that this isn't something I have to do. It's something I believe in, something I want to do. Um, recently, I've uh, actually created a donor advised fund to help immigrant uh, workers and children of workers to uh, achieve health professional careers. And uh, that's totally a separate effort, but um, you know, again, it's very satisfying. And uh, it, it's interesting that um, this gets into the whole role of public service in academia. And uh, it's something that gets very little credit or recognition and yet is personally very satisfying. And I try and communicate this to uh, young doctors and medical students and others going into health careers that it's a personal satisfaction if not the academic reward that you get from this type of work got it that's amazing so what would you say would be the toughest challenges or hurdle that you had to overcome well i did began the work in immigrant health when I had achieved uh, uh, seniority in the academic world and tenure. And it was that security that allowed me to do it. Without the security of tenure, it's a more difficult uphill battle because again, public service is not recognized. Community engagement is not recognized, or if they're recognized, they're not given the same credit as academic accomplishments, publications, and grants received. Um, so it was the security of my senior status that allowed me to do this. And that that's a difficult challenge uh, for young uh, academics. 
because the system is uh, weighted toward rewarding grants and contracts and publications and um, you know this type of work personally satisfying and important incredibly important in a public health sense uh, is not rewarded the same got it so I know you're also a clinician so how do you balance your time as a clinician and your work as a public sector? Well, over time, my clinical uh, engagement has decreased, you know, for a variety of reasons, but uh, having multiple grants, administering a department as department chair, uh, doing teaching, um, there, there's less and less time for for uh, clinical activity, and so it diminished. Uh, but it was a balancing act when I was seeing patients, and uh, you know, my I, I began doing ward rounds and attending, and then uh, doing uh, occupational environmental medicine consults and you know uh, exotic referral cases. But um, that that is a challenge, and. Uh, I have to say, I feel like I'm preventing more disease and helping more people by my public health work than I am by my clinical work, where you see patients one at a time and uh, don't have the same impact as uh, increasing regulation or insight into environmental or occupational causes of disease. Got it. That's awesome to hear. So this one is kind of out there, but do you have any side hobby that you do aside from like working um well i do have a few hobbies uh, i'm a i've been a photographer all my life um and uh you know i published a photography book about mexico called mexico magico magical mexico uh and i have another book i'm doing um and uh you know, the other things I would mention are woodworking and travel. I mean, I, I love to travel. I love to see other cultures and meet people and experience differences. And so uh, that would be at the top of my list. What would be like the most, I guess, your favorite place that you traveled? Oh my God, that would be a difficult question. <laughs> you know, the, the, the last major trip I took before the quarantine was to Vietnam and Cambodia, and it was a fabulous tour. Just fabulous. Wonderful culture, people, food, art, uh, everything. Um, but, you know, I would have a hard time picking my favorites. I, I love India. Um, and uh, I've had wonderful travels in Africa and South America. It's, it's really, it's like choosing your favorite child. It's hard <laughs> to do. So you said you were a photographer. Is there any like um, work that you display like maybe on the internet or something like that, that if students were interested, they can check out? Well, I think you could go to www.markshenker.com and see some of my work. 
Got it. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think I am going to turn it over to my co-host, Michael Velasco. All right. Um, so, Professor Schenker, before the podcast started, you mentioned that you were a part of several organizations, uh, one of which being the, or the Association of, P of Pacific Rim Universities. Um, I'm interested to know what these, what being a part of these organizations brings to your research. Well, not so much research, but public service. Uh, for example, the Association of Pacific Rim Universities uh, at their meeting in Manila, uh, I organized a whole session on migration and health. And educating people to the impacts of migration on health, positive and negative. And um, so you're reaching a different population of both students and professionals. Um, and uh, sharing your findings and your beliefs and your insights. And I would say, um, you know, that's one of the major values of these organizations. Another is supporting their valuable work. For example, I'm on the board of the Migrant Clinicians Network, and they do wonderful help for uh, immigrants uh, crossing the border in the U.S witness to witness program, acute medical care, chronic medical care referrals, um, and so on. And um, so, you know, it fills you out as a, a broader impact than just doing research. One of the things I have to point out is that research by itself doesn't necessarily accomplish change. And it's changed that in public health, it was really the uh, cutting edge. I mean, how do you translate research into impact? And that's a very different question from just doing the research and publishing the results in academic journals. So from what it sounds like, um, you started as a clinician and you started getting into public health um, is that a transition that happened naturally or is that something that you decided earlier on that you wanted to pursue public health um, when you were younger? Or was that something that, that happened more recently um, and you're pursuing it now? Well, it's been an evolution over my career. Uh, as, as I said, uh, being a pulmonary critical care physician, uh, I was frustrated by seeing the same patients coming back to the hospital repeatedly for self-induced problem, health problems right. and realizing that you're having little impact. You get them stabilized and healthy and they go out and they come back again. Um, and going upstream to prevention has much broader implications and impact in terms of health. It's a more powerful tool. Now, unfortunately, Public health doesn't get a lot of recognition or resources compared to treatment medicine, but it's really how we've made the major accomplishments in the health of the population by understanding the impacts of diet on health, exercise on health, environmental exposures on health, and you know, attempting to improve those conditions. So uh, it, it's been an evolution over my career. All right. So I'd, I'd like to discuss some of the research that you conducted. 
uh, specifically on job security in Australia and how it affects the health of migrants and comparing that to native native uh, Australians. So you looked at the effect of job security on the health of, of, of Australian migrants. And I was wondering if you could explain what the research was about and its purpose and maybe how it can be applied to different countries. Sure. Uh, first, I have to acknowledge my co-investigator, Alison Reed, uh, who was really the principal investigator of the Australia uh, research. Uh, but this is one study of many, some that I've done and that other investigators have done, uh, looking at the impact on job security on health. And it's an interesting phenomenon that both among immigrants and non-immigrants, more job security is associated with better self-reported health, less job security, worse health. And there are variations uh, between immigrants and non-immigrants and immigrants from different countries, but the overall picture is one and the same. And it's interesting to think about this in terms of the COVID crisis and how different uh, countries have handled this. Those that have furloughed workers but preserve their jobs have uh, better health outcomes than those that have had uh, disemployment and layoffs as a norm for impacted industries. And uh, so it's a general phenomenon. And, you know, unfortunately, it's usually most visible in the immigrant population where you have the precarious workforce. No job security or little job security, threat of deportation if you make a problem or get injured. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it has its uh, effects on the health of the workers. So the Australia study was a cross-sectional study of four different populations, Australian natives, New Zealand immigrants, Indian immigrants, and Philippine in immigrants. And we also looked at the differences between men and women. And, you know, there were little variations in the impact of this finding, whether you are Filipino or an Indian immigrant. But the basic picture is one that precarious job status is associated with uh, worse health outcomes. And that's been seen in uh, studies in Europe, in the United States, in Asia, uh, pretty much around the world when it's been looked at. And this is definitely something that can be applied for other countries than than Australia. It could be applied for the U.S. It could be applied for countries in Europe, I'm sure. Absolutely. We did a study in Spain in five different uh, cities uh, with immigrants and saw this exact phenomenon that uh, job security uh, was associated with better health outcome among immigrants and non-immigrants. And... Um, it, uh, it's a general phenomenon. It, you know, we're very dependent on work for our health and our security. And the impacts when we don't have that security are great. Uh, in fact, uh, risk taking is greater if you're not, uh, you know, if you're in a vulnerable job uh, situation. And uh, shortcuts are seen and, you know, other impacts on job injuries and job fatalities. We see this phenomenon as well. 
So, well, while discussing this, I'm, I'm interested to know if there's something that the listeners um, can see as like a, a light at the end of the tunnel, something that can, can, can alleviate this problem, something that might be able to, 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 I guess, treat it to some degree or something that doesn't make it as, as prominent of an issue as it is right now. Is there anything that you have in mind that you'd like to promote? Or to mention? Well, you know, the basic promotion is that all workers should be treated the same. And we have this terrible situation now where we have agricultural workers, half of whom are undocumented and are the most precarious workforce that we have. And ironically, we say they're essential workers, but we don't provide the same protections. I think that, you know, we need to provide the same job protection to immigrant workers as we do to non-immigrant workers. So for example, in some countries after a couple of years as a temporary worker, you have to get regular worker status. And with regular worker status, you get benefits and job security and, and other things. In this country, you can be a temporary worker for your entire career. There's no requirement to provide any more benefits after working a certain period of time. And um, so I don't track the individual legislation or regulations, but I would say that precarious workers, immigrant workers should get the same protection as non-immigrant workers, native born uh, as far as the workplace goes. And that, that would have a huge impact on their health. And oh, by the way, would be the right thing to do in the social justice solution. And also, is that something that's the regular employment? Is that something that's that's that you can be, or that someone that can can use in Australia or in Spain, the two countries that you mentioned you had done study in, done research in? Well, every country is different, um, and as I said, it's interesting with COVID how the differences are playing out, and the countries that have furloughed but not laid off workers uh, are doing better in terms of the health outcomes. And um, so it's hard to generalize. I mean, I can talk about the general principle that protecting these workers and their job security is uh, in the health, in the interest of the health of the workers and the health of the country for that matter. And when we say that they're essential workers, it's just a cruel irony that uh, we're calling them essential, but we don't provide the same protection. Right. It sounds very ironic. Well, um, I think that was most of our questions for research. I, I think to round off the podcast, I'd like to just acknowledge that there's probably a lot of listeners pursuing medical degrees and public health degrees that if you gave them a piece of advice that you found valuable, maybe while you're pursuing your undergraduate or postgraduate degrees, what, what would it be that you had advice for these medical students or public health degree uh, students that are, that are interested in, in, in those fields? Sure, it's a great professional career path. Public health is very satisfying. Medicine is very satisfying. You can help people, you can feel good about your work. Uh, and uh, follow your dreams. And, you know, I uh, 
know, hear the stories of the, the students who are getting scholarships from our help fund. Um, and they're heartwarming. I mean, there are people who pursue and persist and, you know, help their communities, help their families, uh, help themselves. And, you know, I would just say it's possible to do. Uh, our, our donor advice fund is at help-fund.net. And uh, we're going to be putting resources on there for uh, how to pursue health careers for immigrants coming to this country, Latinos. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just would say that work is more than making an income. Work in its best manifestation is a satisfying occupation where you're helping others as well as helping yourself. And public health and medicine and nursing uh, do that. And uh, I would just, you know, be very encouraging to follow your dreams and to go into those fields. Well, I'd like to say thank you for coming on today, Dr. Schenker. I really appreciate it. And I feel like the audience is really benefiting, especially from the message you're sending, which is a very powerful one. Well, thank you. I'm glad always to speak on this topic. It's uh, been personally satisfying for me and you know, I hope for your listeners as well. Thank you. Yep.